Many Christians contend that a majority of the church, even evangelicals, have no awareness of the biblical and prophetic significance of these days. For those of us who are sensitive to these times, this is hard to comprehend. Moreover, numerous pastors appear to have no understanding of Bible prophecy. In some cases, those who have some comprehension may not want to scare their flock. Others have no interest. With all this said, only the God of Israel knows how these biblically significant days will in fact play out. Join us now as we open up the modern day headlines alongside the Bible in Spotlight on Prophecy, Geopolitical Headlines, November 2021. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. Thank you so much for joining. Today, I'm going to be starting a new monthly series titled Bible Prophecy Spotlight, Geopolitical Headlines. We are now in November, so this will be for November 2021. I will be doing this each month. I will also be doing other prophecy spotlights where I'll focus on other areas such as science and technology, uh, the economy, the world economy, what the Bible has to say about that, the cultures, uh, the church. Uh, I'll, I'll be covering a number of different areas. Uh, but I really wanted to lay an emphasis on the geopolitical headlines because as Jesus told us about so many things that would happen and, and be evident in the days leading up to his return, we can see that all around us, but so much of it is, is uh, pointing to the different nations, the kings, the kingdoms, wars, rumors of wars, and, and getting into great specific detail about where they will be, why they will be, who will be, well, not necessarily by name who will be in place, but characteristics of those individuals and why uh, they will be led to war. So I, I really wanted to get into this because I, I, I think it's so important. And one of the reasons is, as we look around the world today, and we, you know, for those of you who are listening, I, I, I'm going to surmise that many of you understand that these are critical days, that these are, are I believe that we are living in the end time days. And by that, I've always said this, that could mean 10 years, 20 years, 100 years, but it, it, you know, regardless. But I think it's very, very clear that uh, we could be looking at within the next decade, at the very least, the beginning of the tribulation, if not earlier. Um, and, and if that's the case, that means that we are that much closer to the seven, the, I'm sorry, the end of the seven year tribulation, which leads up to the 1000 millennial reign with Jesus. So, uh, you know, if you think about it, you know, here we are in 2021. And let's say that the tribulation begins, you know, in another few years from now, and there's a lot of signs leading, you know, showing that that could in fact happen. Well, before you know it, the next 10, 15, 20 years, we could be beginning the thousand year reign that so many of, so many, so many of us have read about and thought about. And, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this was to hopefully lay an emphasis on not only the times, but the importance of sharing the information letting people know because we don't want, you know, God doesn't want, and I'm sure you don't want anybody to, to uh, leave this earth without having the opportunity to accept Jesus and, and go on to live with the Lord for the, for all of eternity for that matter. So uh, it really kind of troubles me where I see many Christians are 
ignorant of, and I don't mean that in a negative sense, like they're stupid. I mean it in, they're not aware of what's going on or what the Bible has to say. And unfortunately, in a lot of churches, prophecy is not emphasized. And, you know, almost a third of the book or a quarter of the Bible is prophecy. And when you're not emphasizing prophecy, then you're, you're you know, if you're a pastor, you're, uh, you're a little bit derelict of duty in certain areas. And those, you know, those words may be harsh, but I really believe that it's, you know, that it, and, and, you know, I always say, and as always my opinion, uh, that, that, you know, you're doing your, your, your congregation, your people that you serve, your flock a disservice uh, by not, uh, you know, pointing to what's going on. And a lot of times I know, uh, you know, I live in, in the Northeast region of the United States where there's a lot of uh, progressive camps, liberal camps. I think I can't even call them liberal. I think liberalism is dead. I, and I think progressive is, is just a, a marketing word, to be honest with you. It ultimately leads to uh, Marxism and, and, and communism as far as I'm concerned. But it, it, the end game is a global government. So I wanted to, uh, you know, kind of shed a light, put a spotlight on what's going around the world, both good and bad. Uh, and, and what we can point to and what we can glean from. So if you enjoy uh, information like this, if you could, I've always asked, please, please hit the like and the subscribe button. It really, you know, it, it helps us. It helps get the information out. And that's really what we want to do is share information, help people with make informed decisions. And most importantly, that one decision uh, that's the most important is is where you will spend eternity and, and what type of life you could live live here uh, while you're here on this earth. So, uh, and, and I always say, you know, my heart is to bring out the truth no matter where it leads. So we always look at all different resources. And today what we're going to be doing is uh, I'll, I'll be pointing out some different areas of the Bible, but I'm going to be looking at a lot of modern day headlines, what I've seen in just in the last few weeks to and I'm going to do this each month to kind of bring you up to speed. And, and, and hopefully, you know, you'll appreciate things like this. Uh, and also, if you wouldn't mind, jump on the Russick Outlook uh, in there. I'd ask you to please uh, sign up for our email list so that we can let you know about what's going on, some new things that are happening, new topics that are coming out. We don't do anything other than uh, keep you informed. So on that note, let's get into this. How significant is the second coming. So you thought I was going to jump into headlines, but I wanted to backtrack a little bit because I, I, you know, because I'm talking about prophecy and I wanted to talk about the second coming of Jesus because that's ultimately what we're talking about. What we're, what we're looking towards is his, his return. So the Bible mentions this 329 times. It make, makes it the second most mentioned doctrine. Uh, this is the most prophetic key that unlocks all future events it fulfills Old Testament and New Testament prophecies, including those by Jesus himself. For every prophecy about his first coming birth, there are eight about the second coming. Christ's return is mentioned in 17 Old Testament books and uh, seven, out of every ten, ten, bleh, seven out of every 10 chapters in the New Testament. Every book of the New Testament, except for four, uh, mention things about the second coming. And those are basically letters, uh, and, and there's, there's a hint of it, but I, I couldn't say it in Galatians for sure. Um, they're, but they're single-page letters that, that don't mention it. The New Testament has 318 references from 216 chapters about the second coming. That's an equivalent to one out of every 30 verses. So clearly this is so important uh, and, and so um, uh, um, 
prevalent to, to put at the forefront of, of our studies. And, and I just want to also mention, in the first 300 years of the early church, this was the second most sought-after topic outside of uh, salvation by grace through faith. So this is why I wanted to look at what, what are some of the signs, what are some of the things to come. So I wanted to shift to the uh, part of Eastern Europe and, and the Middle East, and I wanted to put an emphasis here because I believe that the next great war, I'm going to call it, at least according to the Bible, is the, the, the war of Ezekiel's chapter 38, um, Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. And, and I've talked about this before, and, and there's plenty of information throughout uh, books and, and, and the internet, and I've, I've done a series on this. Uh, but the, some of the key players, or I'm going to say three of the most prominent key players, is obviously Russia, uh, Gog and Magog, uh, Turkey, and Iran. And this is a coalition of nations. There's other nations involved. And basically, they're going to attack Israel. And, and what I wanted to lay an emphasis on is three of the largest, uh, most prominent players in this uh, prophecy is already on the northern border in war in Syria at, at the border of Israel right now. And that is Iran, Russia, Turkey. I'm giving you the three uh, leaders that represent them right now in, in Turkey, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Vladimir Putin, most people are familiar with. And in this picture on the left, if you're following me on video, is Hassan Rouhani, who has since been replaced as president, uh, I think it was in August, by Ibrahim Raisi. Uh, these two clerics report directly to the Grand Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. Uh, and this is so important because, uh, at, at least outwardly, um, Erdogan has has really fought for and, and been very clear about his support for the Palestinians, a Palestinian state control over the Al-Asq Mosque. And... Uh, um, Although, you know, it's it's kind of odd because he's got this uh, relationship with the West. He's a part of the NATO alliance, but at the same time, you know, he's got one foot in and one foot out where he's has arms deals with Russia and, and some of NATO's uh, rivals or enemies, in, you know, in certain instances. So this is a very strange relationship. But the reason I wanted to bring these three individuals here to your to your uh, forefront is because they've been having meetings for the last couple of years on a uh, either an annual base well it was biannual basis and then because of covid they uh, they they went to uh, online presentations but you know they had been meeting in different cities uh, in their neighboring countries together collectively um, and and why you know these are three that have all um, I guess the only um, uh, common denominator is Israel, and we know that uh, Iran is a harsh enemy of, of Israel. They want them destroyed. They want them uh, removed from the face of the earth. They want, and they've been very clear about that. And you know, there's plenty of information. I don't want to rehash all of that, but they are have their proxies in uh, um, Lebanon and, and, and in Syria and in, in the Gaza Strip. Um, but the danger about Iran is they are an apocalyptic end time, uh, crazy, crazy scenario religion that they believe in. So they are part of the Shia Muslims that are waiting for the return of the Mahdi. And this is different than a lot of the Sunni uh, um, religions. And even though Shias, 
there's many that are not this extreme, but they want an end time scenario. So where others may want conquering, maybe Russia wants to come into Israel at some point. Uh, Ezekiel says, God says, I will put a hook in, in his jaw and pull him out. And he will uh, want booty. He'll want uh, some of the riches and the resources that are in the uh, nation of Israel. And and Erdogan has some similar reasons as the Iranians, but they all want that, you know, that control o- over that region. But I think it's very important that you have unstable players, I'm going to call them, uh, where, you know, Iran and, and the Ayatollahs. And this is this is also dangerous because, and we'll get into it a little bit, the United States is trying to bribe them to not do it. You know, this goes back to the uh, um, Iran nuclear talks from the 44th administration, American administration. So there's a lot going on there. But it's what, what I'm pointing out is right now they are on the border of Israel. So, you, you know, it's very easy, not easy, maybe it's not the right word, but you can see different scenarios that can kick something off and a war can get started. And, you know, we've seen that recently in Israel, you know, in this past year uh, be, between, you know, some of the uh, people in Gaza, you had some assistance in Lebanon and so forth. And then you've got these different situations happening in Syria right now, very unstable. You know, the bombings that are going on throughout Lebanon is a, is a powder keg because it's economically crushed. Uh, they can't even afford to get power on. Uh, you know, they are, they are desperate. It's, it's really a very difficult situation. But what I'm pointing out here is this is pretty much uh, what, what could be described as leading up to the uh, um, Ezekiel 38 and 39 war. So that's what's going on there on that border. Now let me flip the script a little bit. Let me present some things. I'm, gonna, I'm going to be a little bit optimistic uh, and, I, and I've titled this slide, Peace with Israel? Question mark. Uh, there are some very interesting developments that are going on by people who want peace, people who have gone forth gone so, and, and declared peace with Israel. You can go back to, I, I'm showing here on the lower left, President Sisi of Egypt, King Abdullah of Jordan, uh, where they have peace agreements going back with Anwar Sadat. I think it was 77 I'm going to say, and then 94, I think, uh, King Abdullah's uh, father, King Hussein, signed signed the peace accord. But you hadn't had any peace with any other uh, Muslim-dominated or Arab nation until 2020 when you had the Abraham Accords signed by the United Arab Emirates and also Bahrain. And that was in September of 2020 with the American delegation led by President Trump and uh, the Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. And what's so interesting here is you've got this coalition of governments that are sharing information, uh, bearing some some fruit, not only uh, in in terms of um, espionage, military information, because uh, but they're also prospering from it. There's trade going on. There's tourism going on. They're exchanging uh, economic uh, relationships or, or trade agreements, I should say. Uh, and because you have what I would consider some pretty brave individuals that I believe the church should be praying for. And I, I'm pointing out the, the two gentlemen here, that, which were the uh, foreign affairs ministers for the UAE in Bahrain, which is Khalid bin Ahmad al-Khalifa, and from uh, um, 
the UAE, Sheikh Abdullah bin Syed bin Sultan al Nahyan. Uh, that's a little bit of a mouthful, but these are very, very smart cultural business leaders um, who who are daring, um, and and they're looking to kind of um, buck the 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 terrain a little bit because for so long, you know, so many people in the uh, um, Arab religions or or, or uh, um, just let's just say a lot of people in that area have always fought against Israel and the Jews and and their right to to their land. But you you've got a a change. You've got a twist in in things that are going on. Um, the forty fifth president took a different approach. He threw out a deal for uh, the Palestinians, which I believe he thought uh, they wouldn't take, and it was just kind of it was an over the top deal that I, a lot of Christians were critical of because it was land for peace. My opinion was he was just trying to prove that the Palestinians had no intention of ever signing any type of peace accord because they've been offered so much in the past by previous administrations and pre, by both American and Israeli governments. Uh, but because of that, then he was able to bring others to the table and and bring about peace, in, you know, or at least strike peace deals. And again, they're exchanging information. They're now engaging in military exercises, intelligence exercises. And why? Because let, let's let's look at the Gulf. So if you're following me uh, on the maps on the left, if you look in the Persian Gulf and Iran, this apocalyptic end time scenario I talked about is the last thing UAE or Bahrain and some in Qatar and Kuwait, they don't want that, and, and including Saudi Arabia. So you've got people on that side of the fence who are very concerned about what Iran is trying to bring to the table, their nuclear ambitions, their, their design, because it, it, you know, it looks like they are looking for um, that Islamic caliphate that they will lead, as well as Turkey is, is looking for a similar scenario, but uh, not quite as militarily aggressive as Iran is. So here you have some common denominators with these nations with Israel, and so they're they're forming some alliances with them. And then I, <clears throat> I also wanted to point out two other things real quickly, um, that you had the Abraham Accords, which amazingly enough, and I guess I shouldn't be shocked, and, and it just goes to show just how bad the American uh, press is and the media is. <clears throat> Here you had the first peace agreements uh, initiated, and, and let's face it, the U.S. had plenty to do with it, um, but they didn't want to give this president any type of credit whatsoever. You've got two peace agreements with Arab nations for the first time in 26 years, and you couldn't even get a blip out of the news on it. Uh, if this was somebody from the other party, I guarantee it would be front page headlines, every magazine, every Nobel Peace Award, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it, but it just goes to show how corrupt the American media is. It's, it's really a shame, but it's true. And then you had later in the year, Morocco and Sudan, who I've circled here as well, from North Africa, also signing the Abraham Accords. So you had four Arab nations in a matter of a couple of months strike peace deals with Israel. That's a very big deal. And then the last thing is, probably the biggest player on the stage is Saudi Arabia. So you have Mohammed bin Salam al-Sud, uh, otherwise known as MBS. He is a young leader, I think 
a little under 40 by now or around that around that age he has brought about tremendous tremendous um changes over the last two years or so particularly when it comes to women's rights um so much so that he's now you know women couldn't even drive for the longest time uh, couldn't uh, go outside of the country without the permission of a man uh, he he's really you know, i'm not going to say perfection by any means there's plenty of issues with all of these countries and all governments and i'm not trying to insinuate that but if you put yourself in their shoes and what he's trying to do and kind of bring his nation up to the 21st century he has uh, great economic ambitions he wants to get beyond being just solely reliant upon uh, oil and energy as the GDP for this nation and others in the area. Um, so he's getting closer to a deal with Israel. Um, and rumor has it he was very instrumental in the Abraham Accords that were struck, but they have a different role uh, because, you know, this is the kingdom of Mecca. This is the leader, uh, you know, of many of the, or, you know, the city of Mecca, which is considered the leading city and leading area for uh, for Muslims. So I'm just going to say that it's it's a little bit more difficult. But my concern now is that because you have a new administration and who's kind of trying to form an alliance now with Iran and trying to get back to the nuclear talks and really dissing Israel to a certain extent, uh, and I'll show a little bit more of that later on, that they're starting to look at Russia. They're starting to look at China because they see the Americans as an unreliable partner. So, you know, that that's a source, source of contention. So, you know, this is a very complicated but very unique area of the world. Uh, and, and obviously, this has a lot to do with what, what is to come. And some of these nations, well, I, I'm going to say all of the nations that I outlined so far in these past couple of slides are all involved outside of the United States and, and involved in Ezekiel 38 and 39. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind as we draw closer and people appear to be, you know, lines are getting drawn in the sand, but there's there, there's still a tremendous amount of instability and I would just really encourage Christians to pray for these leaders. Uh, you know, pray for King Abdullah of Jordan. Uh, he, he, it's just been incredible. You know, you, he, he, I, I don't want to go down a different path, but uh, because of ISIS and what happened there, he, was, he had so many refugees come into his nation. And sadly, the American administration at the time did not offer them the financial support that they deserved. So a lot of these guys are, you know, they're struggling. But they're doing the right, they're trying to do the right thing, I would say. Uh, they, they are uh, peaceful people, and they may not be Christians, but they believe in, in uh, equality for all religions, for, you know, freedom of religion. So, you know, that, that, that I'll get off my high horse there, but I think it's very important for us to be praying for these nations and these leaders and that God's will be done. I'm going to shift gears now. U.S. troops are on Taiwan for training purposes. So, why do I talk about China? So, uh, you know, and I'll, and I'll get into this, but this is mentioned the nation of China in that area in the Far East is very prevalent in the book of Revelation. And you can see China over the last decade or so, particularly the last five years, really, really flexing their muscles. And I would say since the last American administration came in, they're even more emboldened. So there I've made no qualms about their wanting to get into uh, Taiwan and um, line Taiwan up as part of 
the nation of China. They believe that it should be Chinese Chinese territory. Uh, there has been a lot of military um, flyovers from the Chinese into Taiwanese airspace, uh, and and Taiwan is now enlisting America. So America is starting to step up and help. But you know that brings a lot of tension. Uh, Taiwan is an island of 23 million people, and it's just 124 miles off of the coast of China. And obviously, China doesn't want America that close or, you know, that much of a military presence that close to to their land. Uh, The Taiwanese and the mainland China have been separately governed since the nationalists retreated to Taiwan at the end of the Chinese Civil War. That's over 70 years ago. Taiwan is a flushing democracy, but the mainland ruling Chinese Communist Party continues to view this island as an inseparable part of its territory. So they really believe that, you know, they have the right to this territory. Uh, America has recently signed an arms deal for $750 million to the Taiwanese government. Uh, But in the last five days of October of 2021, Beijing flew a total of 150 fighter jets, nuclear-capable bombers, anti-submarine aircraft, and airborne with early warning and control planes into Taiwan's air defense identification system. This was a carefully executed show forced by the Chinese government, straying into areas that it would provoke a response from Taiwan, but not entering into the island's airspace. So, you know, it's it's a very, very dangerous situation about what's happening there. And, uh, you know, I, I, again, I'm, 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 I'll, I'll get into a little bit more about why I want to talk about China. They recently, I, I'm going to say, 10, 12 days ago, launched a hypersonic missile space uh, that the United States is saying was very close to a Sputnik moment. Uh, what is Sputnik? The success of Sputnik had an enormous impact on the United States, which was taken back by Russia's technical, technological achievement that accelerated our own space and, and weapons war. This was a big part of the Cold War from the late 50s through the 60s. It became a significant moment uh, for new weapons technology. So, uh, you know, the fact that we were taken by surprise, we didn't know this was coming. There was uh, two missiles that were launched. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a grave concern, to, and the United States military is admitting it. Uh, the U.S. is already losing to China when it comes to cyber warfare and uh, artificial, artificial intelligence. Now it could be that we're uh, a couple of years behind their hypersonic technology. So this is of grave concern. I'm going to point out uh, Revelation 9.16 speaks of an army of 200 million soldiers. Only China can boast 200 million soldiers, and they have, and and, and they've accredited that. So out of their 1.4 billion, we know that they have 216 million males between the ages of 20 and 40. So they're the only uh, military that we can look at today that lines up with Revelation. And Revelation 16 also speaks of the kings from the east playing a significant role in the judgments of tribulation, which ultimately culminates in Armageddon. So, you know, these are more reasons that I'm looking at China. Uh, Their nuclear arsenal is growing faster than expected. This was November 3rd in Bloomberg. Um, I'm going to jump down to the bottom here. Uh, the Pentagon's new estimate that China is probably aiming for at least 1,000 nuclear warheads by 2030, including 700 deliverables by 2027 that could be immediately mounted on various missiles. 
It appears to be based on an evaluation of its own production uh, capacity. It would still leave the United States far ahead because we have 3,750 warheads, but China is, is building and getting you know closer and closer. Uh, then I want to switch over to our friend, Dr. Fauci. I say that sarcastically. I shouldn't say it like that. But, uh, you know, obviously, if you've been paying attention to the news, um, he has been directly uh, um, lined up with, with the Wuhan lab. No surprise there. Anybody who's looking at this information over the last year or two, you know, sees uh, all that. But now it's out in the open. Now they can't even deny it. Uh, we know that over 20 uh, Fauci-funded researchers have served at the Chinese Communist uh, Wuhan lab. This is uh, from an, uh, an article on November 2nd in the National Pulse. Uh, in addition to the EcoHealth Alliance, researchers such as Peter Dazak working with a lab on killer viruses, <clears throat> several American professors and researchers who've received grants worth millions from Fauci have also corro- corroborated with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Um, you know, the, here, 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 here's what I'll say. This was a biological attack on not only the United States, obviously the world. The world was biologically attacked. They, this is a man-made virus that uh, has intentions or, or, or was created for the purpose of destruction, of annihilation of life, of, of harm to life. Um, there's no question about it, and the American government had a massive hand in it. Whether we'll know, you know, all of the ins and outs, and I'm sure, you know, it, people do know, uh, and and I'm, I can only speculate based upon the information that I know. But it, you know, information that's out there that the American uh, and the 44th administration funded research in in the Wuhan lab, and this goes back e- even to the early part of the 21st century. Um, so there's, I, I guess, you know, what, what troubles me is how we've kind of avoided the fact that China has a role in it. And even this administration won't even uh, address the fact of its origins and where it came from. But there's obviously nefarious interactions going on between governments and research and money. And, and you know, so oftentimes it says, you know, they'll tell you, you want to find out something, follow the money. And if you follow the money from what Fauci and uh, others in, in in our government and labs, you know, how this directly correlates to China. And it obviously points to compromise with China and the American government. So uh, th- there's that piece of the puzzle, too. Shifting gears to uh, uh, Israel and Iran. Now, no surprise to anybody. You, know, you have to be living under a rock to know that uh, uh, Israel and Iran have have been at, at this. Um, how how should I put it? A, a war within a war. Um, there's been so much going on over the last twenty or thirty years, um, but now Israel is is publicly funding or putting aside additional funds to destroy and take down any type of uh, Iranian nuclear ambitions. Why? Because the American government has made it known that they're trying to get back to the table, get back to the uh, um, agreement that was formed in, in 2015 around, went around Congress, even though it needed to go through Congress. Obviously, the 45th president negated it, but 46 is trying to get it going again, which naturally makes Israel very, very concerned. So uh, their Air Force has set aside funding and updated its training schedule for potential future missions 
to destroy Iran's growing nuclear program. Uh, this is in the Times of Israel, and, and I think that was about a week and a half ago. So end of October, early November. Uh, I mentioned the Abraham Accords. Well, what's interesting here is the UAE and Bahrain is kind of putting up with, <clears throat> with uh, putting up with, you know, I, I forget what the expression is. Put your money where your mouth is. That's what I was trying to say. I'm sorry. Uh, but they have skin in the game. So they've committed their militaries and they're now uh, doing joint military exercises in the Red Sea as I speak. Uh, this is going on over, I think it started about three days ago. It's supposed to be a four-day or five-day drill, um, but this is getting all of those different navies and air forces working together collectively, how they will coordinate. So here you have uh, um, more fruit from the Abraham Accords with the UAE, Bahrain, Israel, and the United States. This is going on right now. So I think this is a very, very significant development. And this kind of shows Iran, you know, that that they obviously are watching this. I'll put it that way. Israel and Biden. Well, so what's happened here is with the 46th um, presidency, and, and you saw this in the war that, that occurred at the end of spring, early summer um, in Gaza, where the 46th presidency, you know, made commitments to uh, the Palestinians. They, in turn, rewarded them with $350 million uh, worth of aid. Unfortunately, you know, it doesn't, when I say aid, and, and history has bore this out for the last 20 years, 30 years, that it doesn't go to the people of that area, which is what anybody would want. And I'm all for it. Most people would be all for it. Helping them build their hospitals, build infrastructure, get businesses going, build up their economy. I don't, you know, and including Israel, they would want that. But that's never happened. And, you know, unfortunately, this is a very, very corrupt uh, government, both in the West Bank and in Gaza. So, uh, you know, I, I did a kind of a breakdown on that where I, I talked about, you know, exactly what happened in, in that war. Um, but the U.S. is really criticizing Israel right now. And there's so much of this has to do with Jerusalem, uh, where the 45th president uh, moved our, uh, our, our embassy there, recognized it as a capital, recognized the Golan Heights. And this is the opposite of you know, what 46 wants to do because he's lining up with 44. Uh, 44 was all about, let's go back to pre-67 uh, um, territories and, and uh, the boundaries, which is ridiculous. It's like nine miles wide. You know, how do you defend a nation like that? But at any rate, um, you know, you can see this. The source here is uh, in Israel, uh, Hayam, I'm sorry. And this was from October 29th, 2021. And, you know, it talks about that it, these are all conditional relationships where the 46th president is trying to squeeze uh, the Israelis into um, holding back on their building and the settlements and, um, and, and you know, they're, they're dangling aid and military support, um, uh, you know, as, as a means of holding back, the, you know, un unless they line up with it. Um, the other d d damaging thing is that they're talking about reopening the U.S. consulate in Jerusalem uh, and, you know, this is kind of because the, they want to recognize uh, um, Jerusalem as a split capital. They, they would want to at least go back and say that the Palestinians should have East Jerusalem. So clearly, you know, if, if you're a Christian, if you believe in the Bible, this flies directly in the face of what God says and what the word of God says. 
So, you know, there, there, there's that aspect. So that means it's never going to happen. Um, and, and it's just never a good idea to, to go against the word of God. Uh, some other articles uh, from Israel Hayam in the Jerusalem Post. Uh, the coalition's honeymoon with Biden is over. Joe Biden must not divide Jerusalem. And uh, if, I, if I can, I'm going to read you the yellow highlight down below. We are deeply concerned about the Israeli government. Oh, Washington's condemnation. So this was Washington's response to Israel's uh, latest move. We are deeply concerned about the Israeli government's plan to advance thousands of settlement units, many of them deep in the West Bank. We strongly oppose the expansion of settlements, which is completely inconsistent with efforts to lower tensions and to ensure calm, and it damages the prospect for a two-state solution. So there you have it. They want a two-state. They want to split up Israel. That's what they're doing. Uh, you know, if you, if you go back in history for the last, from the 80s and 90s, you know, everything that you wanted to, every time Land for Peace was offered, it just blew up in Israel's uh, face. Then on the right-hand side, the green highlight, there is now talk of the Biden administration looking to set back the clock and undo what was done. Rumor has it that the State Department will put a foreign consulate of a non-state in Jerusalem. So, you know, that goes back to those, those borders of 67. Last, I just wanted to talk about something that is right in the news within these last couple of days. And this is an extremely dangerous situation in Eastern Europe. And again, it involves Russia, um, which is, you know, really flexing its muscles. We know about what happened in Crimea and the Ukraine and what they're trying to do there. So I'm, I'm going to give you the abridged version. For those of you who may not know, there has been a, a settlement or, or people from the Middle East um, that were flown to the border of Belarus, told that they would be able to get through the Polish border and into Europe as, as part of their settlement. They were flown in, interestingly enough, by Turkey. Uh, many of them came from uh, different parts of Iraq, some in Syria, I believe. Um, but it looks like it was this was a complete setup to, meant to overwhelm the border. And it should be known that uh, Lukashenko, who's the president of Belarus, and, and obviously has very, very, very close ties with Putin. They've been close for many years. Um, and now, so what's happened is uh, they're using human beings. There's a couple of thousand people uh, um, that are on the border right now, on the Polish border. They're also on the Lithuanian border and Latvia, I believe. Um, but more, more so, you know, in Poland, trying to overwhelm that situation. And uh, Lukashenko has said, I'm going to turn around. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me backtrack. So uh, the Eastern Europe, the European Union has said they will start to enforce economic sanctions against Belarus because they're using these human beings um, as pawns, literally, uh, to try to get their way. And uh, Lukashenko has said, I will cut off or I will stop or prohibit the natural flow of gas from Russia, which a lot of this goes through Belarus. And I'm showing you on the lower right that gas pipeline. Europe is dependent upon Russia for its gas. It's supposed to be a very, very cold winter. And they're flexing their muscles. They're taking advantage of the situation. Um, and so it, this is a very, very, very tense situation where gas and energy could be uh, um, held up and hijacked and used 
basically for military power. Uh, now they're in talk about joining with their militaries. Poland's obviously very concerned about it. Below Belarus, you have Ukraine also on the Polish border. And, you know, it's been very clear that Russia is trying to invade Ukraine. They've already got the port of Crimea. And uh, so now you have the potential of Russia expanding its wings into Belarus and Ukraine, which will make other areas of Eastern Europe even that much more nervous. So this is a very, very volatile situation that's happening, but it it also shows how Russia is expanding. Russia is trying to flex its muscles, and and Putin is, is, you know, he's very prominent, very prevalent in the Middle East right now. You know, he's got a large military presence in Syria. He's got a large military presence on the border of Ukraine, uh, Belarus partnership there. He's going to use his natural resources to hold up Europe to kind of um, uh, try to get them on his side. I'll say it that way. I'm going to be polite. But at any rate, so these are some of the things that are going on around the world. And so much of this, as I said, lines up with Bible prophecy. So these are things that, you know, we, we I, I think are, are very important to look at, to areas to pray for, pray, you know, just pray for, you know, what the Lord would do. And I'll, I'll just close by saying, particularly when it goes to a lot of the churches in these areas, pray for the Christians, pray for the minorities, pray for the oppressed. I've said before, China and Iran are two of the fastest growing churches in the world. Um, I just learned yesterday of a group of Iranians that are praying for Israel. They love Israel. They, they, they want to visit Israel. Um, and they see, you know, what's going on in their country. They see what's going on in their leadership. And, and they're not, you know, they're doing what they can. But they are, uh, you know, uh, they're in danger. You cannot preach Christ. You cannot pre- preach the, uh, the gospel in these, in these areas. So, you know, please keep them in prayer. Um, and, and I would also, you know, pray for the church that more awareness be done and that the church become equipped and prepared to help these people and, and do whatever they can. So I, I just want to say thank you for joining. Hopefully you appreciate this. Um, I'm going to be doing this on a monthly basis. I'd love to hear your comments, uh, you know, whether it's online or you want to send me an email, rusticoutlook at gmail, whether you thought this was helpful or not. Uh, all questions and comments are always good. And particularly, you know, the time is drawing near. The time is getting close before Jesus returns. And, and if you don't know the Lord, please you know, ask him into your heart. And if you still have questions, ask him to show himself to you. I promise you he will. Uh, but, but you know, there is no other way into heaven without Jesus. So I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, thank you again for your time. My name is Mark Russick. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion.